The Sons of Liberty is a politically neutral organization. We believe that the Judeo-Christian ethic has provided the principles upon which this nation was founded. It is our belief that these principles provide not only the foundation and framework for American government and society, but are also essential to the maintenance of a fair and just society. All program content is based on a Christian biblical worldview. One of you said to me recently, recently. you shouldn't rock the boat. Well, ladies and gentlemen, I want to tell you I am a boat rocker, rocker, rocker. I will not wear the mask. 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 I will not wear a mask. I will not get the vaccine. I will not get the vaccine. And I will not get the vaccine. I will resist evil. I will resist evil. I will resist evil. I will submit to God. I will submit to God. I will submit to God. In the Lord, I will praise his word. In God, I have put my trust and I will not be afraid. Hear my prayer, O Lord, and let my cry come to you. Do not hide your face from me in the day. For the Lord is the great God, and the great King above all. Rise up, O judge of the earth. Render punishment to the proud. Lord, how long will the wicked, how long will the wicked chime? Righteousness and justice are the foundation of this I hate the work of those who fall away. With my mouth I will make known your faithfulness to all generations. For I have said, mercy shall be built up forever. Your faithfulness you shall stand. On an instrument of ten strings, on the lute and on the harp, with harmonious sound. For you, O Lord, have made me glad through your works. I will you, triumph Lord, in the works of your are on high forevermore. For behold, your enemies shall perish. All the workers of iniquity shall be scattered. I will defy tyrants. I will defy tyrants. I will defy tyrants. I will defy tyrants. I will defy time. And with that, good morning, America. Welcome Christians, conservatives, constitutionalists, liberals, libertarians, communists, Islamists, LGBTQ, RSTV, DBXYZ people. All the boat rockers are in the house and anybody else that I may have missed to the Sons of Liberty radio show here on Red State Talk Radio, where we use the Bible and the Constitution not to see who's on the right or the left, but who is on the straight and narrow. I'm your host, Tim Brown, coming to you live from the U.S.-occupied state of South Carolina, the editor at SonsOfLibertyMedia.com, and for our Muslim friends, I'm the infidel that Allah warned you about. I hold to the book, the Bible, as the authoritative word of God. Glad that you guys have joined us here. Happy Thanksgiving to you. And uh, if you'd like to check us out online, please do so. SonsOfLibertyRadio.com and also SonsOfLibertyMedia.com. In fact, if you're listening by way of Red State Talk Radio and you'd like to watch the video portion of the radio show, that's right, you can see the face that's made for radio, head over to SonsOfLibertyMedia.com. Scroll down to the right side of the page. This is where we'll be streaming live. And um, you can blow that up on your device. Click on the platform icon. Join us in the chat. Always lots of people there in in the morning. It's always great to see you guys. And then right above that is Bradley's show from yesterday. And so if you want to catch that, that will still be playable up until 3 p.m. Eastern, 2 p.m. Central. And then he'll be live um, right there in the section where we're live right now. Right above that is where you can subscribe to our email newsletter. Be sure to do that. We don't rate your email, sell it to anybody, or spam you. You get one email from us a day. That includes all the articles for the day and uh, also the morning show archive. So we're going to archive this in a video and a podcast. There will be some links. We're going to also link uh, a video and some other things like that uh, in there. So you'll be able to, to go back and later you say, hey, I missed that part there or I'd like to share that with somebody, whatever the case may be, all of that will be in one neat little package for you to share with your friends. Now, we never ask you for money, but we do let you know if you agree with our message, you want to help us do what we do, not only on radio and Internet, but out among the 50 states as we go out and teach our Christian and constitutional heritage, there's a donate button at the top of the page. You can make a one-time donation, or you can partner with us monthly as a son or daughter of liberty. That link is also at the top of the page. And then our store is available Lots of great conversation starters in there, as well as equipping tools, hats, water bottles, 
T-shirts, coffee mugs, stuff that you guys have requested. And uh, we get it out there so that you can, you know, do what you're supposed to do as the Lord has gifted you in your sphere of influence. The thing that we're promoting this week is our Cowards Will Not Preserve the Republic T-shirts. Now, these are very popular. We've got them in about 10 colors. I don't know. There's five or six different sizes from like small to triple X at triple extra large and so these are normally twenty dollars this week only through saturday night at midnight uh you can get these for 10 percent off with the promo code stand s-t-a-n-d just put that in checkout you can get as many as you want you get 10 percent off every one of them um so these are for their the great artwork on the front and the famous statement by Elmer Davis, this republic was not established by cowards, and cowards will not preserve it. Now, <clears throat> this morning, it's Thanksgiving, so I want to read a passage of Scripture. I'm going to play one short little little clip, and then we're going to bring on our guest. They're a very special guest this morning, and uh, I've been wanting to do this for a while, but let me read this passage of Scripture. This is from Psalm 75, to the chief musician Altus a psalm or, or song of Asaph. Unto thee, O God, do we give thanks. Unto thee do we give thanks. For that thy name is near thy wondrous works declare. When I shall receive the congregation, I will judge upright. Uprightly, excuse me. The earth and all the inhabitants thereof are dissolved. I bear up the pillars of it, Selah. And I said unto the fools, Deal not foolishly, and to the wicked, lift not up the horn. Lift not up your horn on high, speak not with a stiff neck, for promotion cometh neither from the east, nor from the west, nor from the south. But God is the judge, he putteth down one, and setteth up another. For in the hand of the Lord there is a cup, and the wine is red, and is full of mixture, and he poureth out of the same. But the dregs thereof, all the wicked of the earth, shall wring them out, and drink them. But I will declare forever, I will sing praises to the God of Jacob, all the horns of the wicked also will I cut off, but the horns of the righteous shall be exalted. Amen. Amen. One quick thing before we bring on our guests, and that is, this has to be the best impromptu liberty speech that you'll ever hear. And it comes from an Australian. Now, this guy is a, a decorated Australian, but I, it just takes a, about a minute or so. I want you to hear this, and then we're going to bring on our guests uh, for the show today. Emily, why are you here today? I'm here today for the essential freedom of the human beings. The same reason I went to East Timor. The same reason I served there. I served the people of East Timor and Australia for their independence and their freedom. And if you think back, back to the 1990s, the East Timorese were screaming for freedom. And they fought and they fought and they fought and they got their freedom. And I was more than happy to go. After I'd served my time, I thought I would relax. I suffered a lot as a result of my service. But I thought I'd relax and retire. But this is something we cannot, we, we can no longer ignore this. It's garbage. I was at the first march, proud to be there. The second march, people were afraid. And fear just means false evidence appearing real or face everything and recover. And a World War II veteran taught me that. He knows what fear is. There's nothing wrong with fear. There's nothing wrong with anxiety. Courage is just having fear, but still doing what you know the right thing to do is, even when you're afraid. That's the simple definition of courage. Even when I'm shaking and scared, I still stand up for freedom. We all need to do that. These medals don't mean anything without these Australians. Us, as a team. We're a brotherhood, sisterhood. I have a wife, I have children. I'm a human. I don't care what colour your skin is. I don't care if you call yourself Arthur or Martha. I don't care what speaks between your legs. If you're a human and you want freedom and you don't want to be caged, then come with us. Amen. Amen. If you want freedom, come with us. Let us lead you uh, in such a fashion. And I know my guests are going to be uh, applauding that and saying, yep, we've been there. We've done it. We got the hat. We got the T-shirt and all of that. My guests this morning are from the USS Liberty. And on you know online here with me is Ron uh, Kukul, Ron, uh, Philip Turney, and Mickey LeMay. And Larry Bowen, and it is my privilege and my honor to welcome you guys here to the Sons of Liberty. Good morning. Good morning, Good morning Jim. Good morning. 
Yeah, it's great to sit. Now, I want people just to take a look at you guys. Um, many, so many of our, in our audience saw what happened um, Sunday a week ago when Pastor Chuck Baldwin of Liberty Fellowship honored you guys, and um, and then in turn you guys honored Ron. And what I want to do is I just want to kick it off, Larry. I'm going to start with, or, excuse me. I want to we want to start with Phil, and let's start with Phil. And Phil, why don't you give us an introduction to why the USS Liberty story? is so very important that the American because we're we're what f- how many years removed are we 67 so we're like 54 years 55 years removed from this incident that happened can you give people a little introduction as to why this is so important why this generation that's coming up needs to hear your story and uh, and why they need to act on it well, uh, first of all, thank you, Tim, for inviting us on. It is uh, always a privilege to be on with my shipmates. It means a lot to me, and it always has. Uh, this needs to be recognized in history. It's not going to be recognized by our Congress or our presidents, but in history, and our voices are strong, and they're getting stronger every day. We prove that. Several weeks ago, it's Pastor Baldwin's Church, Liberty Fellowship. And we also proved it uh, doing a uh, docu-series. Uh, this docu-series right here, I don't know if you can see it or not. Uh, yeah. Sacrificing yeah. Liberty. It was done by uh, <clears throat> Rick Wiles, uh, Matt Scow, and Mike Rathe. Uh Go to truenews.com, truenews.com. Click on it. Go to Sacrificing Liberty purchase it or uh, just rent it, but it's, uh, it's one of the best uh, docu-series I've ever been involved in, and, and I think these gentlemen probably agree with it. Uh, but this does mean a lot. This whole thing means history will not be forgotten. Our shipmates' lives will not be taken in vain, and lies and deceptions and treachery brought upon the crew of the USS Liberty and the world must not stand. And it's up to us, like your station. It seems like everything goes back to Liberty, Liberty Fellowship, your station, uh, Liberty's in it. Uh, Liberty's all over the place, USS Liberty. And uh, Liberty is, is said very well right in here. And I think you gentlemen would agree. But uh, Tim, the main crux of this is not to get even. It's it's to, to to let the public make this up in their own minds who's right and who's wrong. Now, Ron said earlier, we're not sinners. Uh, we don't hate everybody. Uh, as I told you earlier, as we talked before, I am not a hater of Jews. What I do not like is the Zionist state in collusion with with America, LBJ and the rest of them on down the line to this very day have forgotten us and gotten by with a terrible lie perpetrated by the Zionist state, not the Jews, but the Zionist state. And I think that's where most of us stand. I know that's where I stand. I've stood that way a long time. I may have come across brash or too, or too angry, and I am. I'm angry. I've been angry for a lot of years. And uh, I think these men are too. Mickey, he's still got 52 pieces of shrapnel in his body from this. And uh, I know I know Mickey uh, was on the old four level uh, looking out and, uh, where the carbon ice light, light was. And uh, Mickey, you tell him what, what happened. Uh, you saw the jets as they came by and uh, tried to kill you, my brother. Yes, they did. And, uh, I don't know how much we want to talk about this, but I did see a jet flying the same way we were. It was all black without any markings on it. And as I turned to talk to the officer identifying planes that were, would fly over us that day, uh, that's when we got hit with the first strafing. And uh, that plane I didn't see, but I did see the, the plane flying the same direction as us. It was black and unmarked. Gentlemen, let me let me ask you a question. You're saying it's unmarked, and I, I know that's been in, in some of the things. How were you able to determine that it was indeed Israel who were who were attacking you on this on this on this day? We had no well, idea who was attacking us. 
until we saw the torpedo boats. Right. Had the America, the uh, Israeli flag on it. I think okay. everybody would agree with that. Now, Ron and Larry, they were spies. They, they worked for the National Security Agency. They were in naval uniforms, as many people have said. But they, they worked for the National Security Agency, one of the most secret, secret security uh, outfits out there. I think they still are, probably always will be. And these guys didn't know who was attacking us, but Larry did know. He got a message from a friend of his that was aboard ship at lunch. And uh, tell him tell him what you heard, Larry. Yeah, my uh, my buddy Bob Eisenberg, a Jewish man who uh, spoke Hebrew. Um, he and I went to lunch that day, and in our own little way of talking around the subject, uh, Bob told me that someone was was really going to get it. There was a target that was being discussed in in, in communications that we had that day. Um, And Bob worked in the processing and reporting center. So he was able to decode and, and, you know, tell us a little bit more about what was happening. What it didn't tell us was it didn't tell us who the target was, but all of the precursor to the attack was, you know, spelled out, I guess, in these messages saying, you know, what group of forces were going to be utilized and uh, how they were going to coordinate their their attack. So the, uh, the skipper that day conducted a, uh, a practice uh, general quarters drill just before the attack. Now, I don't know if someone from from our spaces, from the crypto spaces, mentioned to the skipper that there's some serious communications going on, that uh, someone's going to be hit, and uh, maybe he he felt he needed to do a a practice general quarters drill. Um, but regardless of whether or not a message got up to him or not, we had that drill, and in my opinion, that saved uh, a number of lives simply because people would be sleeping off from mid-watches and just, you know, not not particularly attuned to what was going on around them. Uh, some would be in the racks, except that because we had this drill, everybody had to man their battle stations and be prepared for the worst. And that drill ended about, I think, a half hour to 45 minutes before we were actually attacked. Okay. All right. Now, with with that going on, can can each of you kind of maybe chime in and bounce off each other? Take us through the scenario. You're hearing that there's going to be an attack somewhere. You don't know who it is. Um, and if they're if you're getting that info, if you're getting that information uh, from your crypto guy there, where is that obviously coming from? I mean, is that do they say, well, this is chatter we're hearing? Do they say that there's something uh, higher up, say, in our own government that's providing this information? Would we look at the White House? Would we look at the naval intelligence? What what, what would we be looking at? Can you kind of take us from that moment and walk us through when, you know, you guys begin to see that people are, uh, these planes and such are focused in on the USS Liberty so somewhere around 6 a.m., I think it is, that I read in the book. And uh, and then later on, they begin to attack. Can you can each of you kind of maybe play off of one another and, and kind of walk us through what that was like from the time you get this information that they're going, somebody's going to get it, uh, to when they begin to attack? Well, I, I guess um, to start with, we were being overflown in the morning by uh, various Israeli aircraft. And during the, the day, the course of the morning anyway, the, uh, the aircraft were coming in um, and at least six or seven overflights occurred, which in my opinion, as a cryptologist and a uh, communications tech, it told me that they were, they were mapping out the ship so that they would know exactly what to strike when they came in to attack. Now, all of that time, we're flying the American flag. We've got our ship's markings on the, the hull numbers on the forecastle, the ship's name across the fantail. Um, and it was, 
you know, obvious that we were a U.S., you know, U.S. ship. So for for them to claim that it was a mistaken identity is just ludicrous. We've never believed that. I don't believe anyone on the crew ever believed that. Um, and those those overflights were occurring before we had the message traffic uh, telling us that someone was going to be attacked. They, um, those messages came in the morning, but Bob didn't tell me exactly when those messages came across. So it, it wasn't coming from our government. It was coming from chatter and communications that we had intercepted there while we were in the Eastern Mediterranean. Okay. Uh, All right, go ahead. Yes. I want to pick up on what, what Larry said. I know Ron hasn't chimed in yet, but I hope he does. But I just wanted to say that we were positive, positively identified putting our ship on their war table, uh, and they would move the ship as our, as our movements moved, which was very slow anyway. And they positively identified us. And then they said they changed the watch and they forgot we were there. Now, is anybody supposed to believe that? Everybody knows uh, when, you, when you're on watch, you, patch up, you pass on to any, whoever relieves you of that watch, what's going on at that moment in time. So you, you're on top of things. And it is ludicrous to believe, as one of the pilots said, uh, that came to help us got turned back. He says, the Israelis are very, very smart people and they wouldn't, uh, uh, they wouldn't uh, be so stupid uh, to assume we're not an American ship when they positively knew we were and then say it was a mistake. And, uh, that was the official version. So that's what they went with. Okay. All right, Ron, you're, you're awful quiet back there. So let's bring you in. You, you did your, 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 Shipmates here recently decorated you. You want? Can you tell people a little bit about that, and then tell people what went on as far as your perspective from that day? Well, that's pretty easy because these guys were topside, um, and I wasn't. Um, that's why I became a little bit quiet about this because I love hearing what they've got to say more than <coughs> I've got to say. Uh, most of. Um, my information comes from the tor- being in the torpedo compartment, uh, what happened down there. And as Phil says, there's a lot of people, uh, in the whole crew, that believe the um, statement from Israel that it was a mistaken identity. None of us believe that. Uh, Secretary of State Dean Russ didn't believe it. Um, um, Admiral Merlin Starring, who sat right here in my home, not more than 20 foot away from me right now, and told me they didn't believe it. And Admiral Thomas Moore didn't believe it. We had a lot of people that didn't believe it. But I think the most important thing I can tell you right now is that uh, being down below, it's better that I listen to these guys because I knew, I did finally find out what was going on topside. But uh, I guess the, the only thing I can really remember about that morning is I came up for chow uh, around 11.30. And um, I looked up, and uh, there was a, um, a, a flying, they used to call it a flying box car. I'm not an Air, Air Force guy, so I guess it's a, a C-130, if I remember correctly. I saw it there, and uh, they were flying high above us. Um, we flew the flag every day. It was well marked, and we've had so many people in very high positions that know that. But the very thing I would like to bring up, if, uh, but I, th- I think I'm jumping a little bit here too, too, too fast because I was about somewhere in the neighborhood of 50 to 60 feet from the torpedo when it exploded down below. And I've never, I've never stopped trying to tell this country how much the Liberty Veterans Association loves nation and loves your family and mine and when this is not rhetoric this is a truth we can prove every bit of it 54 plus years we stood and i think about the most excuse me frustrating thing about it all is to get people to listen 
I guess we almost have to commend those that are trying to dumb this country down of doing a pretty darn good job because they have. Um, it's unbelievable how they've how they've done this. But Tim, what I always like to bring up, I want to make sure I get this in, is this short story of what happened to me just before the torpedo entered the ship on the starboard side and exploded. Uh, the captain had said on the 1MC, which is the uh, ship's intercom, uh, prepare for a torpedo attack. Well, we were prepared as we could be. Our water watertight doors were closed. Uh, I couldn't think of another thing we needed to do. So my immediate um, interest was to get to prayer and ask for my life because I figured that it was very good chance it was going to be over with. And uh, I had been in prayer for a while, for maybe four or five minutes, and got up and uh, walked back to my desk and uh, was standing there just trying to decide what to do. And, uh, okay, I guess you could call this straight jacket time. I heard a voice. It was a very audible voice to me. And that voice said, get down and get down now. Well, I know I didn't move fast enough. I was standing upright. And about three, I was about three seconds before the explosion occurred, found myself flat on the deck with my nose to the steel deck. I don't even know how I got there. Um, well, I do now, I'm sure. I didn't put myself there. Someone else did. And I'll leave that up to you, how that happened. Three seconds, maybe, or two even, before the torpedo exploded, I was flat on the deck with my nose to the steel deck. And I could hear, the, when the explosion occurred, I could hear the shrapnel flying over my head. And I, what I didn't know at the time was that um, it was killing all my shipmates down there. There's very few of them that made it. Um, I remember Bob Scarborough got out of there. but That was just my compartment, of course. There's other compartments there that uh, people got out of. But I just would like to make it very, very clear. The reason that, uh, at least my in my uh, in my personal opinion about this, of why we stand for fifty four plus years with the truth, if God didn't save the uh, save the ship that day, um, because He did, and yet it just wasn't going to go down no matter what. And believe me, uh, folks, they had it all. They had all everything they needed to put that ship to the bottom. So why have I stood? The very reason is because it was divine intervention. It always has been. But I'm talking a little bit about frustration here because it's almost impossible, next to impossible, to get the American people to hear us. I think they're hearing us more now than they've ever heard before. And um, after being in this for all these years, I can see the difference. So um, I want to turn this back over to whomever wants to take it, but uh, I want to make sure it was God that it was miracle after miracle performed that day that kept us afloat. Amen. Amen. That's about it. Well, yeah, and I, I, I totally agree. I mean, I, let me let me show people. Uh, this is the ship afterwards. Um, now, how many torpedoes had hit this? How many missiles had been fired? How many of your brothers in arms, so to speak, how many of them lost their life? Can, can somebody give us a number as to what all kinds of attacks you guys took here on the USS Liberty? Yes, I can, uh, if you don't mind. Yeah. <clears throat> uh, the ship had over 850 cannon and rocket holes in it over 5,000 army-piercing bullets, napalm burning this up. It was burning the bridge up on the starboard side. Uh, we had uh, Israeli, uh, I guess you want to call them militia men or, or Marines ready to board our ship 
and all of a sudden they, they took off. For what reason, I don't know. I guess uh, the reason is the gig was up, but it really wasn't up. Because help was never on the way. We never received any help for about 17, 18 hours. And so we were we were left alone. In my own mind, I, I really thought that, hey, there's something else bigger going on in this in this world, and, and we're insignificant. I just didn't know how insignificant we were. And uh, th this brings me uh, to Mickey LeMay. Uh, Mick Mickey was a, a second-class electrician's mate. Uh, everybody loved Mickey. He was a good man. He was in engineering division, the same division I was in. And, and, and let Mickey tell you, if you want to hear a, a miracle, let, let Mickey tell you about a miracle, how he got below death and, and what happened to him. I, it's, it's in this film, too. Uh, all these men that are talking now are in this film, plus more. Uh, this is the Bible, uh, as far as I'm concerned, for this particular incident. And shows like yours, Liberty Fellowship, on and on and on. But it's our job to get the word out by any, any means we can, any tools we have. And Mickey, if you wouldn't mind, sir, uh, please go ahead and give us your testimony on, on exactly what happened to you and, and uh, how close you came to death four different times. If, you, if the first attack didn't get you, the four others didn't get you either. Now, you are a living miracle, no doubt about it. Thank you, Phil. Uh, just, uh, I don't see me on the screen here. Uh, I see Larry and you going you're, back. And forth. You're on there, brother. You're on there. <laughs> okay. All righty. Uh, basically, what happened to me is we, we secured from General Quarters, and I went up to the old four level to check the Carbonite searchlight which is one of our monthly uh, chores that we did. And like I had mentioned, as I was getting at the top of the ladder on the fourth level, uh, and a spider was flying the same way we were. And uh, he was flying quite low. I could see the pilot. And, and like I said, there was no markings on the plane. So I had turned to the lieutenant that was up there to identify the plane. I said, sir, did you see that fighter? And he goes, no, where? So I walked closer to him, and as I turned around to point to the fighter that I saw, the first strafing came, and that came diagonally across the ship from the bow to the stern. And uh, I looked down, and there was blood coming out of me, just about every part of my body. And I turned around looked at the lieutenant, and he looked exactly like I did. He had as many holes as I had. And I said, sir, what's going on? I'm getting the heck out of here. So I turned, and I ran thinking he was following. Later on, they did find his body up there. So he was either dead or they got him on the next street. But anyhow, I slid down the ladder like you see in movies and just jumped into the, uh, uh, inside the ship where there was glass everywhere from all the portals being shattered. And uh, that's when my body realized that my leg had been shattered and I can't stand anymore. So I fell on the deck and crawled through a hatch, crawled headfirst down the ladder, came around the corner, and as I'm, now I'm two decks inside the ship. One of my shipmates said, hey, you hurt? And uh, honest to God, <laughs> I looked up at him and I said, no, I like crawling on the deck. And uh, we both laughed. Of course, there was blood everywhere, so he knew I was hurt. And he ran down to get some help. He told me that he could carry, help me alone, so he had to go get help, and he did. I think I blacked out a couple of times before he got back. So I don't know how long it took him to get back. But when they did, they put me in the stretcher and started carrying me down. Well, he had put a tourniquet on my leg before he had left the first time. And as he was coming around the corner, a corpsman came by and said, get that tourniquet off his leg. We don't want him to lose it. So as they put me on the deck, a rocket came through the overhead. I'm two decks inside the ship now, and I can see blue sky right through the whole hole that the rocket came through. And uh, evidently, the guy that was working on me had something go through one of his wrists, and uh, he was screaming like crazy. And I said, well, I can scream louder than him. And uh, so I started screaming. Then I said, hey, there's no reason to scream. And I stopped. And uh, then they picked me up and started carrying me down the sick bay. Now, the next thing I remember is waking up in sick bay, which is the nest decks converted into sick bay where they've got all the mattresses and put them on the tables and lay the thon. 
Now, being hit at the first strafing, I didn't see a whole lot of horrible things. I heard a lot, but I never saw it. Like I tell my shipmates, I never saw one print dead. Excuse me. 54 years later, I still can't control myself. But anyhow, I remember waking up, prepare for a torpedo attack, blanked out again. I remember waking up, prepare to abandon ship, thinking, just leave me here. Don't, don't worry about me. I'll only be good for attracting sharks. And then I blanked out again, and I remember hearing, secure abandoned ship from torpedo attack or something to that, that state. So I laid on the deck, I mean, on the table there for the rest of the attack and through the night. And I only know from what my shipmates have told me after that. And uh, it was horror. Uh, one funny thing again is how young men think doing when they're injured in that. I couldn't walk, but I didn't realize it still. And I'm laying on the table there. And I honestly thought, what would John Wayne do at this instant? And, uh, oh, he'd go to his duty station. Well, my duty station was the uh, generator, uh, just the top side of the engine room, next deck up. So I tried to go. Of course, I couldn't walk. I fell on the deck. And a couple of my shipmates later said, Mickey, we don't know how you fell off the table, but you did. And I said, well, I was just doing what John Wayne would do. And we asked, you know, this is years later that we laughed about that, how crazy your mind goes when you're being attacked or shot or whatever you want to call it, happened to me. Now I still do have 52 pieces of shrapnel. They've taken a bunch out before. When I was in Naples, Italy, maybe a month later, they tried to take them out, and I had four cardiac arrests while I was in the operating room. And that's when Captain Howard, my doctor, said, we're going to leave them in. And if you ever have problems, we'll worry about it then. Now, Mickey, Mickey, let me let me interrupt you just a second. How many pieces of shrapnel mm-hmm. do you still have from that incident in your body? 52. Wow, incredible. You still have 52 pieces, yeah. And they're all over the place. Luckily, they didn't hit anything vital, uh, valuable and important. Because <laughs> uh, I wouldn't be here. I did end up losing 85 pounds before I started to recover. And I was 100% disabled for five years. And, uh, like Ron mentioned, uh, I don't understand why I'm still here. Because my whole life, I could never get over 125 pounds. And I could eat anybody under the table. I was a, a vacuum when it came to food that I liked. You know, a pound of spaghetti at a meal setting was nothing. I've eaten 11 lobsters at one sitting, plus steak and corn. So give you an idea. And I never gained weight. But for some reason, the cruise before, some skinny guy and myself said, let's go down to the gym and work out. Let's get some weight bulk on us. Well, I went from 125 bench pressing 80 pounds three times, three repetitions, uh, 10 repetitions in three times, to bench pressing 214 at sea, weighing 160 pounds. And if I hadn't done that, there's no way I could survive that attack. Wow. So, like, like Ron, God was watching me. Yep, God's you know God's providence. He knows what's he knows the end from the beginning. The Bible says, and so he's obviously prepared some. I mean, I've, I I hear it uh, in Ron's story. I hear it uh, from Phil and Larry. We're going to get to you too. We need to bring you in here too. But uh, you know, I hear it in your stories of things that God is doing in His providence that men can't explain unless they just want to unless they want to chalk it up to coincidence. I'm not a believer in coincidence. I don't buy any of that stuff at all. But but here you guys are. You're young men. You're serving there. You're. What is the liberty action? What is its function at this time that it's attacked? What are you busy doing? What what is your um, what is what is the the feat that you're accomplishing in this area before you're attacked, Larry? Uh, do you want to speak to that? Oh, and I've got. Hang on, I've got you muted, Larry, because. 
uh, and you can unmute now, but I've got you muted because we were getting a little feedback in there. So if you see me do that, I noticed that it was coming through. You just have to hit the unmute button, if you will. There you go. How's it? Okay. Yeah. Yeah. The, um, what we were doing at that time, our mission was to go over to the Middle East and uh, set off the coast of the Sinai Peninsula and monitor the communications that were going on between, uh, well, the Middle East uh, countries that were involved in the Six-Day War. So this was a, uh, a special classified mission that Ron and I and the rest of the CTs were uh, intimately involved in. Um, and previously to our going into the Med, we were off the coast of uh, Africa, the west coast of Africa. And it was, it was just, you know, a new assignment for us. Um, so one of the questions you had asked earlier about uh, how many men we lost, we lost 34 of our shipmates um, as a result of that attack. There was uh, 34 killed, 174 were injured. That's over a 70% casualty rating. And a great deal of them were, um, were CTs. 25 CTs were down in the uh, torpedo compartment area that uh, lost their lives when, when the torpedo exploded. Uh, nine other crew members were either topside or um, close to being topside when uh, when they were hit by rockets or uh, part of the strafing uh, and and they lost their lives so the um, and like Ron was saying we were down in the uh, classified area Ron um, was down in the flooded compartment I was in that compartment just prior to our going to general quarters. I had a day watch and I was copying code, which was my mission at that time. I was a second class uh, communications technician radioman. And um, so when they sounded general quarters, my station moved up one deck to another position doing the same job. Um, but it was just so that in the event that that compartment down below was um, flooded for any reason, I could still carry out the mission um, one one level above. Um, and when the torpedo hit, myself and a, another second-class Clyde Waves, a second-class T-Brancher, um, we were both thrown to the overhead, both ended up with concussions, when we came back down, the equipment from the racks had been spewed all around the, the room. Um, and I didn't realize at the time that I had uh, shrapnel wounds in my right thigh because we were too busy trying to get out so that we could um, let the people out from down below, down where Ron was at. He mentioned that the, uh, the doors and hatches were all secured prior to uh, the attack. Well, we, um, we had to, uh, loosen the, the hatch and the doors to, uh, to allow the men out and as many as could get out, um, did before we dogged it down. Um, and later on, Phil and, and, uh, one of his shipmates were down there to, uh, to relook and, and, check the uh, secure and apparently still pulled out additional survivors. So it was um, that, that part of my, my involvement was once, uh, once we opened up the hatch and people started coming out of the flooded compartment, I was then detailed to hand out life jackets to everyone to make sure that if we had to abandon ship, we'd at least have a flotation device with us to uh, keep us afloat. Um, and shortly after that, I went to the casualty collection stations and, uh, and tried to help where I could. I, um, I'm an Eagle Scout, and I had uh, some uh, 
some training as uh, you know first aid, and we only had two corpsmen and one one doctor on board the ship. So anybody that could help um, pitched in wherever they could to uh, to try and help, and that's that's what I was doing. Um, and it wasn't until a day or two later when um, when I got called to the dispensary to be checked over to see whether or not I had any lasting injuries. Um, that's when they spotted the, uh, the shrapnel wounds in my thigh and um, asked me how I received those. And, of course, during the, the heat of battle, you have no idea. Your adrenaline's pumping so fast that you just, um, you know, it could have happened. It probably happened during the uh, torpedo attack. There were actually uh, five torpedoes launched, but only one torpedo hit the ship. Wow! And that, yeah, there. Um, the skipper was, you know, awarded the uh, Congressional Medal of Honor because of his ability to maneuver around the. Uh, the incoming torpedoes and just stay on the bridge and handle that situation until help came. As, as Phil said, the following day, it was 17 or 18 hours before any U S ship or aircraft came to our aid. Larry, let me stop you right there. Uh, first of all, would you name the guy who received this congressional medal of honor deal? Yeah, it was, um, commander, um, just a second. It's okay. Yep. Take your time. Uh, um, William L. McGonagall. McGonagall. Oh, there you go. Thank you. Okay. Thank yeah, you. Let's Phil. give him credit where credit's due there as well. Um, and you're saying it's all these hours and this is kind of what I'd like to focus on in this lat in the last bit that we have you guys. And I don't know if you guys want to stay over, we can hold you over a little bit if there's some information we need to get. But help people understand, this is not something that took place for like 10 minutes and they said, oops, it's the wrong ship. These are, these are supposed to be allies. You got, and let me just ask a very pointed question here, and this is just your opinion. You're saying this is happening during the middle of the Six-Day War. Do you think this attack on the US Liberty, USS Liberty was to draw America into the Six-Day War? I mean, I'm just going to ask your opinion. I'd like, I'd like your opinion, each one of you guys, what you think. Um, I say absolutely it was to draw the United States into the war. Um, Israel was fighting with all of its uh, Middle East uh, neighbors at that time. that already wiped out most of Egypt's Air Force. Um, we... Uh, internally thought it was probably Egypt or, you know, that was doing the attacking because Israel was an ally. So um, in my opinion, their, their primary goal was to use what we would call a false flag kind of uh, scenario here and say, because the ship was supposed to sink and all of us on board were supposed to die. Um, if that had happened, the United States government would have assumed that it was someone other than Israel and they would have come in. Uh, they were prepared to go in to attack Egypt if that was the case. Ron? Like to say oh, go ahead, Mickey. Uh, and what it basically is, is we got a May Day out when the attack first started in USS America and USS Saratoga, which are both aircraft carriers, set planes to our aid. In Washington, called the first group back. Now, we don't know why he called it back at that time. Now, is that but the president? Uh, is that the president who gave that order? Uh, at that time, I hear it was McNamara. Okay. Uh, again, right. I'm only doing hearsay from what I heard. So, if you guys know more, please mention. But the, the thing is, the admiral on in charge thought it might be because. A couple of the planes, I think, from the America had nuclear armament on them and because they weren't allowed to go into a war zone or where we were. So he uh, took the, the uh, nuclear weapons, took them off, and put conventional warfare and sent out another group of planes. Now, we don't know who's attacking us at this time. We, I believed it was Egypt. I never thought it would be Israel. 
but anyhow, uh, the Admiral called Washington again and McNamara told him to get the planes back and he challenged McNamara's orders. And with that, uh, President Johnson came on and supposedly said, I'm your commander in chief, you will get those planes back on the deck. For some reason, oh, oh excuse me, he did mention too to the Admiral that we will not embarrass our allies, meaning let's let 294 Americans die. Disgusting. Disgusting. Our allies. That's right. But anyhow, we never had that. That first group of planes had come. We would have lost seven men. That's all that would have died, most likely. Uh, The torpedo boats would have never come and and attacked us. Everything would have been bad, but not as bad as it ended up being. And, uh, you know, it's disgusting when the president, your commander-in-chief, who you sworn allegiance to, would let you die because he doesn't want to embarrass an ally that's killing American sailors. And this this is Lyndon Baines Johnson, right? Correct. Yeah, this is the same guy that... that, that, Yeah, this is the same guy. I mean, let's just be honest about it. This is the same guy that reversed the orders of Kennedy after he was assassinated. I think, this is my opinion, I think Johnson's in on all of that anyway because he wants to give the war there in Vietnam. So we don't only have just the men on your ship, which is enough that people should be angry about, uh, losing their lives because of some, I don't know, I just call it like I see it, backstabbing traitor Johnson, president, uh, who who wants to give the military-industrial complex and all those involved a war so they can profit off of it at the blood of our sons, our daughters, our dads, our grandpas, our uncles. It just, it's enough to, I mean, it makes you angry enough to say, why are we fighting the tyrants overseas when we've got them in our backyard? I, I don't know how you guys feel. I, I speak out about it because I'm not in the military. I've never taken the oath. But it makes me mad when I hear about them using the the men and now women of America to go fight their wars when they're too cowardly to go fight them themselves for the little bit of dollars or oil or whatever they're trying to get, it, it really makes me angry about that. I didn't mean to interrupt you, Mickey, but that, that's just how it, that's how it makes me feel. Well, I, I agree. I'm sorry. Go ahead, Mickey. I was just going to say, Phil, <laughs> Phil uh, saw the horrors of the whole ship. He was part of the, the group that kept the ship afloat. Can can I ask He's you guys? My hero and everybody that survived is my hero. Let me let me ask you guys. We got about a minute and a half here on the radio show. Can you hang over a little bit after we close out the show? Would that be okay with you guys for ten or fifteen minutes? Maybe is that okay? Yeah, it's fine. But I I, I would hang hang out, no doubt. But I would like to add for you before we're done with this segment of it. Uh, our ship was, was sent to Africa. And that was our normal steaming, no doubt. But uh, this war was supposed to take take place on the 15th of June, not the 8th. That's why we were moved so fast to the Mediterranean. We left uh, African port full speed as fast as we could go to get there to, to monitor what's going on, we thought. But Johnson and his cronies and his, uh, his Zionist buddies in uh in, in charge, uh, Rostow and the rest of them had us set up to be murdered by the Zionist state, sink our ship, blame it on the Arabs. We were uh, less than six minutes from World War III. There was a submarine there, a, a Russian submarine, and we had subs there too. Uh, they were going to uh, hit the Temple Mount because it was the most reflective. So uh, this whole cover-up, the whole deal, we were told not to say anything about it, about the war crimes, many war crimes. This was an act of war. All of, uh, most, like Larry said, 78% of the crew was either dead or wounded. Yeah, Phil, hang, hang on for me just a second. Let me let me close out the show here. Guys, if you want to read more about this, uh, of course, we'll have the link for the, uh, uh, the Liberty video that they mentioned in here. But there's also Remember the Liberty. Now, the, I purchased this myself. Um, you can pick this up. And also, if you're listening by way of Red State Talk Radio, jump on sonsoflibertymedia.com, right side of the page, beforeitsnews.com, top of the page, and we're going to continue with it 
right now. Okay, Phil, I didn't mean to cut in on you, but just wanted to cut that out for the, for the music, you know, closing out and with the radio. But we're still across the video platforms, and I, I'm sorry to interrupt you, but go ahead and continue your thought there, man. No, uh, uh, when we did get help, uh, of course, Mickey was, was taken off, all, all those guys that were seriously wounded first, and, and, then, and then the others. And uh, I was walking wounded. I stayed aboard ship. I wasn't, I mean... My wounds were nothing compared to many, many other guys. I was just a scratch compared to what happened to them. And, uh, yeah, that was divine intervention, too. And, and on my part, uh, no, it wasn't luck. Uh, I should have been killed on the 50 uh, caliber gun mount when I was there asking Skolak to fix the uh, sound fire phones. And uh, I said, I better get out of here. I better go back to my duty station. He, him and Thompson were blown up just uh, – moments after I left. It could be one minute, five minutes. It, it wasn't long, and, and they were dead, and attack was on, and I, I didn't know what was going on. It was terrible, but we were sent to we were sent to Malta. Admiral Kidd came aboard our ship, dressed us down, told us to tell him everything we did, and, and then the hammer was put down on us. Don't say anything. Uh, you know, you'll be in trouble, and I wasn't the, I had nothing to do with the secret part of it. These other guys did. But uh, what I saw and what I told him, he didn't like. He told me if I repeated it to anybody, my parents, newspapers, anybody, especially newspapers, I would go to the penitentiary or worse. And I knew what worse meant. And uh, I took heed to that. But for those uh, dirty, rotten people to murder Americans on the high seas, as you said earlier, sons, uncles, uh, grandpas, uh, it's just, it's, uh, it's unfathomable to me still that they got by with it. Was with eyewitnesses, were eyewitnesses to cold-blooded premeditated murder, period, and the cover-up by our government, all to protect the Zionist state of Israel and to help Johnson, as you said earlier, with his war games, his, his war, wannabe war in Vietnam. And I also agree Johnson had a lot to do with uh, LBJ getting assassinated. I mean, LBJ assassinated Kennedy. Uh, of course, that has nothing to do with the liberty, but I, in, in my mind it does. But I just. I well, yeah, there's, there's, there's clearly a connection there because here's the guy who. Whoops, I'm sorry. Here's the guy who comes up and he's the one who assumes the reins, if you will, immediately reverses the issue on Vietnam. Um, didn't, I mean, there was a lot of stuff going on in the sixties there. It wasn't, you know, when, when people speak about what went on in the sixties, they often want to focus on the hippies and the free love and all this stuff. But there was a lot of people who were prominent people losing their lives because they spoke there. I use the term truth to power. They were speaking out against the beast system that was being established in that era and uh, we're still seeing it today. It's grown. It's devouring more and more people. This is why, uh, you know, the Sons of Liberty exist is not only to expose it, but to fight against it, not to not to just be another outlet that says, oh, these guys did bad. No, we got to bring justice and justice is what guards our liberty. That's the one thing you can name whoever you want as president going back to uh, JFK. Where is the justice this is their job as president is to make sure the laws are faithfully executed. That's what our Constitution says. And even Donald Trump coming in, you know, he spoke a good game, but where was the justice? Where's the justice in it? And over and over. And and this is not just with the liberty. This is this is a multitude of people, millions of people who face Damn, injustice. Can I interject a yes, please, here? please. I've got a I've got a doctor's appointment. I just couldn't get my two cents worth in. Go ahead. Um, to get out of here i'm sorry i have to i'd rather stay but uh i've got to go to billings montana for a spec to see a specialist so i've got to go good luck ron yeah ron would you would you give us your comment on that of what i asked do you think this was to draw america into a war the six-day war that's the affirmative all right thank you ron for joining us one thing before i go out the door sure Um, captain mcgonagall uh, was a great man, and uh, the Congressional Medal of Honor he, he, he deserved. One of the nicest things he did to all of us, he said that that medal didn't belong just to him, but to all of us. And uh, I have a photo of him and me right after he got the Medal of Honor and after he got done saying that. 
And, what, and I had to ask him just uh, before we took the photo, uh, which part was mine. <laughs> yeah. And and the photo still has the grin he's got on his face. And uh, I'd love to send it to you, Tim. It's, it's hilarious. Please do. I will add it to the archive, Ron. Thank you for joining us, man. And I know you got to go, but uh, thank you for taking your time and, and, and sharing the story. Um, I'm serving with some very honorable men from Larry Bowen to Phil, <clears throat> and to that guy over there that's got that look on his face, Mickey. Um, <laughs> I'm just kidding you. The, uh, uh, these are honorable men. If the country knew how honorable they were and how great they are, um, that's frustrating. I got to go, guys. I really do. Okay. Thank you. Thank All you, right. Ron. Take care, Ron. All right, there goes Ron. And guys, let me let me let's let's get ready to close out the show. But I, I kind of want to get one thing here for people to understand. And I, I guess I've been asking it, but we've been kind of getting sidetracked. This was not like a ten minute incident where they fired on you guys and they said, "Oh, oh, sorry, my bad. We thought you were somebody else." There was there was surveillance of your ship. There was an attack for a, 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 an amount of time. Can one of uh, maybe uh, uh, Phil? You want to tackle this? How long from when you guys notice there's some surveillance overhead, aircraft and such, to the attack? And then how much time of the attack actually occurred on this day in 1967? Okay, I'll be I'll be uh, a quick, Tim. Uh, actually, we were surveilled uh, the day before uh, the attack started, so they knew exactly who we were, but. Uh, the attack lasted approximately two hours, about as long as the attack on Pearl Harbor, Harbor. And we didn't fire a shot. So, yeah, it was pure hell on earth for all of us. But really, really sad again is this. When they attacked our ship, they attacked every American, every red-blooded American in, in this country. And let me say this about LBJ. We've gone from him uh uh, with the hippies and everything. And I remember that I was in then. And uh, it was like uh, in Norfolk, they had sailors and dogs keep off the lawn. I think you guys probably remember that. Uh, if you don't, I sure do. Yeah. But we've went from, from hippies to woke. Now we're woke. And what are we going to do about it? I liked your promo. Uh, these people standing up, they're not woke. Uh, they're God's people. Doing God's will. That's and right. That's why we're here. Yep. Amen. Amen. Okay. Amen. So, so about how much time is taken in this attack? I, it's, I'm understanding it's about an hour. Is that correct? No, it was about as long as the attack on Pearl Harbor. They say an hour and seven minutes. They, some people say 57 minutes. But the, the the death logs were altered. They were altered, all of them. Okay. And the, the times were altered. The so how how long is how long was this attack taking place? I mean, from the first torpedo that slammed in there, how long are they continuing to attack you? Well, I've, it was a, a total of two hours, a little bit more. But they wow, helicopters in. It was just, like I said, it was the attack was about as long as the attack on Pearl Harbor, a very long time. And for us to take that type of damage and casualties, I mean, to see those men on the decks and Everywhere you went, you saw a body. I'm not talking about a dead body. We had those two, but there was a body. And and these guys here, Ron and uh, Larry and the rest of the CTs that worked down below, did a fantastic job getting those guys out of there. And I brought the shit home. I don't know how many CTs did. I don't know Shaver did. I don't know how many CTs were there, but it was a skeleton crew. Right. And it was tough. It was very tough bringing that ship back home. It was a smell of death all the way. It was terrible. You had those men down there trapped in salt water, dead, dead sloshing around for seven days in hot, hot salt water. Yeah, something you never want to smell, and I couldn't hardly take it, but these guys did. I didn't. Wow. Wow. Larry, uh, let me let you close us out here. You got any final thoughts? Because you're, what is the organization that you guys are a part of there? And tell people about that. Tell people, is there some support they can give to you guys, whether it's monetarily or whatever the case may be? And by the way, I'll just extend it out. You guys have my email now. You have my phone number. If anything happens, you need the show. 
Uh, that's what we're here for. We're here to give you a voice, people who are out there doing the stuff, as we call it here. Uh, this is what this radio show is about. It's not about me or Bradley or anybody else. It's about the people who are out there doing these things. So can you, you got a final word you want to give, maybe point out people to where they can support you guys in some way or anything like that? Yeah, the um, the USS Liberty Veterans Association is, you know, the organization that we're all a member of. Um, all the members of the crew are uh, – are members of that as well. And we're a nonprofit organization. So um, if people wanted to donate, there's a website that they can go to um, USSLibertyVeterans.org is um, one of the websites. And that, that tells the story about uh, the Liberty. There's a, links there that you can click on. Um, there's actually one there that says make a donation. Um, and if you click on that, you can, um, you know, send a donation direct to the USS Liberty Veterans Association. Um, your, your donations are tax deductible and, um, they would be greatly appreciated for sure. Um, you can also join as a uh, affiliate member to uh, the USS Liberty Veterans Association. So, if you'd like to be a, an associate member, you can you can join. Um, I'm going to cut this short because the the guys that are cleaning the lawn up with their leaf blowers here is probably causing feedback over okay, the Okay, no problem. Mic. No problem. Uh, well, gentlemen, I thank you so much for your time today. Uh, and wow, your, your continued courage to go out and speak out against the world. I mean, this is, they're trying, they've been trying to silence you guys and you continue to say, no, 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 this is how it happened. This is who's responsible. And I can't imagine the anger every time the news is on that, uh, Israel has spoken about, about our allies, when you guys have been the have faced the brunt of their attacks, and then them come around and say, oh, we didn't really mean to do that, even though, like what you were saying, Phil, you know, a couple hours or whatever the case may be, they're attacking you. Um, And then your own government basically hanging you out to dry. I I can't thank you enough for coming on. It's my honor uh, to have spoken with you guys. And again, the the platform's open. I'll say goodbye to you after I close out the show. Guys, if you want to uh, check out Bradley at 3 p.m. Eastern Time, 2 p.m. Central, sonsoflibertymedia.com. And have a happy Thanksgiving. Lord willing, we'll talk to you again at 6 a.m. in the morning. Right here, same bat time, same bat channel. See ya.